10, 15. Back up field at the 35 to the 40. 45, 50. Pass the 50. 35, 40. Pass the 30. To the 20. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. Hello again, everyone. This is the Old College Try. This is your host, Tim Highland, and joining me as always is my co-host, Mike Unger. Mike, after last night's rankings, I have (laughs) to ask the question, is college football college football or figure skating? (laughs) Now, normally, Tim, I try and talk you off the ledge, and I will a little bit with this, and that's Michigan State and Michigan will work itself out. They both have big games left. There's not going to be a situation where Michigan goes over Michigan State when they each have one loss because uh, if they both win out, of course, Michigan State goes to the Big Ten title game. But it is completely inexplicable that (laughs) Michigan is ranked over Michigan State. And I mean inexplicable in the most literal sense of the word. We watched these two teams play, what was it, we were recording this on Wednesday, 10 days ago, yes. and Michigan State won. That's it. Story over. Um, not to mention that Michigan State's loss on the road to Purdue, not a bad not a bad loss at all, really, I don't think. Purdue's ranked in the top 25. They're a good team. They beat Iowa. Um, and yet you look at Oregon's loss to Stanford, far worse than Michigan State's loss to Purdue, and yet Oregon is still ranked ahead of Ohio State. So I think what what's making people crazy, yourself included, is there's just no consistency. There's no consistency whatsoever in in putting Michigan over Michigan State. It's preposterous. I have to agree with you there. I mean, I, I'll get into it later. But the part that bothers me, this guy Gary Barda. Again, he's the AD. Where am I? At Iowa. <laughs> it the statement about Sparty. And, Mich- and Michigan was that like we just feel Michigan yeah. is a better team. It's like, well, yeah, I yeah. feel things too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I in some ways I feel bad for him because you don't know what's going on behind the closed doors. Maybe in his mind he thinks it's crazy that Michigan State is beat, is ranked below Michigan. But uh, yeah, when they start talking about you know offensive metrics as a reason, well, it's like. Well, why are we playing the games even at all? Why not just, you know, go, why not just play this out on Madden or something like that, you know, on a computer game? It's, it makes no sense. It makes no sense, but I still have confidence that will all work itself out at the end. (laughs) I don't, we'll get there later. All right, Mike. (laughs) Kind of our different life philosophies. (laughs) What was your weekend of college football? Uh, I didn't see a ton because I was down in beautiful Virginia wine country near the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's so gorgeous down there. Went to a ton of wineries, went to a ton of breweries, stayed at a super nice uh, kind of resort out there and, and just enjoyed perfect fall weather. Um, did get to see some of the games, saw the end of the Ohio State-Nebraska game, saw the first half of the Penn State-Maryland game. Unfortunately, saw a lot of the Indiana-Michigan game. Indiana is so sad this year. And then against all odds, watched a ton of Arizona State-USC, the night, the Pac-12 after dark. Nightcap. So I guess I did see a little more than uh, 
I was anticipating. Uh, my weekend was what? Oh, so um, <laughs> again, there was no, it was very sad. There was no Jack game on Friday night. It was kind of a bummer. Um, Saturday, I had a coach Leah in Allentown, Mike. Allentown. Uh, well, I thought that was just a song in a uh, Billy Joel song, <laughs> or in a place in a Billy Joel song. I've said before, Lehigh Valley is a lovely area. Mike, it's very beautiful up there. Um, nice mountain, well, a, mountain drop back. Oh, yeah. I'm about to find out. Yes, you will. We'll get there later. Um, we lost, unfortunately, the biggest game of the year, but it happens. Bad coaching, Mike. And then <laughs> um, Sunday was just kind of Sunday. I watched the F1 race, Mike, you know, F1. Um, but here we are. It's already Wednesday, um, which is great. And we have, I think, an interesting weekend to come in college football. Uh, yeah, there's some good matchups. It was kind of, I thought it was a little weak last weekend, but uh, looks like some good stuff, at least on paper this weekend. All right, the week in review. You ready, Mike? Yep. Uh, number one, Georgia, 43, Mizzou, six. Here for one reason. We, we said it every single week. I think the entire nation's in agreement. And I feel like this more strongly this week, based on Bama and Ohio State's performances last weekend, Unless Georgia has some sort of like mental breakdown or key injuries or whatever, they are they have just been mostly a flawless team this year, Mike. Yeah, I mean they were they had one little setback this week, and that's that they did not cover the thirty eight <laughs> and a half point spread. Um, uh, and Missouri did not have their starting quarterback. Didn't see this game, but obviously it was a complete one sided pounding. Yeah, Georgia is so head and shoulders above everyone else at this point. Speaking of which, uh, number two, Bama 20, LSU 14. It's hard to say this about a team who's what, eight and one or whatever the, the Bama is. And like, look, playing at LSU is never easy. Or no, as at Bama, actually. Um, yeah, it was in Tuscaloosa. And like, you know, like, you know, Coach O was clearly going for this one for like kind of his last hurrah or whatever. That being said, this is not the same level Bama we've seen in the past. So they have some flaws. Um. I'm not putting it past the greatest coach in the history of the sport to fix those flaws for the playoff, right? Um, but again, this this is not just this is not the band we're used to. No, this game went uh, from from the highlights and what I saw about it. It went all four quarters. LSU had a you know a chance to win, right? Pretty much right up till the end, which is surprising. Yeah, and you, I saw some clips of Coach O. You're right. I think he was really. Uh, considering this to be his last hurrah and then i have to agree with you uh again you know i don't i'm not i wouldn't be surprised if we were sitting here after the national championship game saying well this really wasn't really the best bama team but they did go 14 and one and win the national championship i you know you, you can envision a scenario like that can't you <laughs> absolutely why not yeah i know it's 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 wild right now they're like kind of number two by default but um you know, they still have some hard games though coming up. The Auburn game, I think, is going to be hard in Auburn for them. I So it will be fascinating to me. So I think at this point, it'd be shocking to me if it's not Georgia-Bama um, in Atlanta for the title, right? Mm -hmm. Mentally for Georgia to have the belief to get over that mountain, right? That's going to be the thing, I think. And for, yeah, Kirby, yep. for Kirby, too. Yep. And for uh, Stetson Bennett, you know, as soon as what you know, things will not go as smoothly against Bama as they have been against the Missouris of the world. And then you have JT Daniels looming over. You know, uh, it it is one of these situations. Georgia has not really been in a position of peril at all 
um, and since that first game against Clemson, when we thought Clemson was was Clemson. So um, it, it will be interesting uh, how Georgia will react mentally if they're in a close game. I think they may, may, may face some peril this week, Mike. We'll get there later, though. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people are thinking that. It's uh, at least maybe for a half or something. It, if the, the crowd is going to be fired up there in Neyland. We, we know that. Um, this is perhaps my most favorite result of the year because we both saw it coming so clearly last Mike, <laughs> last week, Mike. Purdue yeah. 40, number three, Sparty 29. I mean, on one hand, is this, is, is this more vintage Purdue or more vintage Sparty? I, it, it, you're right, because it, the, the reason we saw this, and a lot of people saw it, obviously it's just not us. I think Michigan State was a, a three or two and a half point favorite only, um, was because it's in both these teams' DNA to do exactly what they did. Um, but it looks like Purdue just played really well. I, I wouldn't call this like a really a Michigan State choke, uh, would you? Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a sandwich game for Michigan State. It was a very, very tough spot on the schedule for Michigan State which is why we could see this coming but tip of the cap to Jeff Brom and the Boilers six and three two wins over top five teams at the time that's that's very impressive they're they're bowl eligible and uh, they, they got the Buckeyes this week so congrats to Jeff Brom and the Boilers I heard a great stat and I, I, I don't have the right time frame it was something like in the past 25 years or 40 years or whatever as far as programs with the most wins over top five teams. In oh, the yeah. Producing that group. <laughs> I know. I know. I saw that. Uh, and their quarterback, O'Connell, uh, throwing it all over the place to uh, this receiver, David Bell. They, they, really look, uh, they really look good on offense. And let's not forget, as we look back, they, they played Notre Dame very tough in South Bend. They, they were in that game late the, in the second half as well. So this, uh, this is shaping up as a memorable season for Purdue, I, as much as it pains me to say that. Number four, Oregon 26, Washington 16. So was this your lock of the week last week, Mike? No, uh, I was thinking about, I was flirting with it. I, uh, unfortunately, I took a different one. I uh, took Cincinnati. But uh, no, I, I, I did like Oregon minus the six and a half. Um, I don't get Oregon still this far into the season. I, I don't understand them really. I mean, yeah, I, a I good kinda, team, I kinda, but I like. I mean, they play Georgia, and we know how that goes, right? Yeah, we do, and they're they're doing just enough to win, and you just get this feeling that it's going to bite them, especially they have some some hard games left. They have to play at Utah, and then they might have to play Utah again. They have the Civil War with a good Oregon State team. So, um, you know, I'm not convinced that Oregon's going to win out. If <laughs> I'll tell you right now, guarantee, if they win out until the Civil War, guaranteed loss against the Oregon State. <laughs> then, Right, right. That would that'll be a great civil war. Uh, number five, Buckeyes twenty six, Nebraska seventeen. Nebraska came to play, Mike. They yeah. did. They played good. And again, same with Bama. Ohio State does have issues. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought I thought this was kind of a nicer win for Ohio State than other people did because they went on the road, as you said. Nebraska came to play. It was a great atmosphere there in Lincoln. Nebraska is a good team that can't win. That's, that's kind of their MO this year. Um, and Ohio State, they did drive the ball out. They could not get touchdowns. They kept kicking field goals, which which kept this game a lot closer um, than I think Ohio State wanted. But it was a fun, it was a fun watch. Um, and I think for, if you're Ohio State, there's nothing you have to apologize for by winning, you know, by double digits or nine points or whatever it was. 
um, nine points, nine point win on the road. It was nine points. Like that's our yeah. level of math, Mike, looking at those numbers and trying to figure out, was that 11 or nine? <laughs> I wasn't looking at the numbers right in front of me. I could have pulled <laughs> off the nine if I was 26, 17 bucks. Number six, Cincy, Tulsa 20. Of course, this was a big deal. Cincinnati, again, another struggle for a win. Look, they won. Game day looked cool there, right? Yeah, uh, game day Game day did look like it was fun there. They had an awesomely big crowd, almost 10. They were estimating 10,000 there. Um, and it was, I think, was it the first time game day had ever been to uh, Cincinnati, I think. So that is a, that is a big deal. But, uh, you know, before I was like, okay, they, you know, they, they ended up, controlling the game against Tulane they were at Navy that's kind of a weird opponent this was a game I really thought that they were going to blow out Tulsa they were 22 and a half point favorites game day was there the whole nation was watching I thought that they knew that they needed the style points and they just didn't play great they just really did not play great um, the end was wacky with all the fumbles and turnovers inside uh, the five yard line but they got the win, win in advance, but uh, it didn't help their cause. I'll just say if we're going to forgive uh, bad losses for other teams, you must also for everybody, Mike. Um, well, yeah, they haven't. I mean, they haven't lost. You oh, know, I'm sorry, bad mean, wins, bad wins. Yeah, bad wins. Like, yeah, exactly. No, I, I agree. I agree. It, it's, uh, one of the, it's one of the problems we have with this system is they, they, they talk, uh, you know, they say one thing that applies to one team, and the complete opposite applies to another. Number seven, Michigan 29, Indiana seven. I, Mike, I feel your pain. Like last year was such a glimmer of hope for this whole program. And uh, Coach Tom Allen has some work to do heading into next year to get it righted. Um, That's an understatement. I mean, this is a really a situation of one step forward, two steps back, because we are possibly the worst team in the Big Ten. I mean, we're going to go two. Two and 10 this season is staring us right in the face. I mean, we're a favorite this week against Rutgers at home. Hopefully that'll be a win, but um, we're not going to a bowl. Uh, and we just, our offense is putrid. Absolutely putrid. We're, we're playing a true freshman quarterback who's our third stringer, who actually looks like he has some potential. Big guy, tall guy, six foot five. Um, but it's been a rough, rough season for the Hoosiers. But for that, look, look, when you have a true freshman, you said it's true freshman? Yeah. Your, your playbook shrinks so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously they're playing for next year too. We've lost, you know, we've lost some receivers. But this, is, this was a bad season from the start. We just have not, not played a, a good complete game all year. Carolina 58, number nine, Wake Forest 55. The great Wake Forest story comes to an end, Mike. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't, it, it comes to an end in terms of uh, college football playoff, probably. They still can win the ACC because, oddly enough, this was not an ACC game. They scheduled this as a non-conference game. Didn't get to see this, but uh, what a what, I'm sure it's like a wildly entertaining game. 58-55 was your final Carolina covered by the hook, too. Uh, TCU 30, number 12, Baylor 28. Notable because who was the coach who stepped in here for um... – um, blanking on his name right now. Gary Patterson. Um, yeah. Jerry Kill, the former Minnesota coach. Jerry Kill, of course. Had yes, what a job for him. And no matter what happens the rest of this way, he's not going to get the full-time job, and they may not win again. But that's going to that's going to be a story that he's going to be able to tell for the rest of his life. Getting that, getting the interim job, 
having five days to prepare for a top 10 Baylor team and then, and then pulling that upset. What an awesome win for TCU. And what he had issues with, was it, was it epilepsy? He had issues with? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, so congrats to TCU. Um, I'll be curious to see like who they hire there. Um, there was talk on the guy who's the OC for the Cowboys being the top choice there. Um, so, uh, um, Kellen Moore. Yeah, the co- former quarterback from Boise State. Who's like 33 years old or something like that. Yeah, he, I mean, we remember very clearly when he was playing quarterback at Boise State. It's like, Mike, imagine what this guy who's 33 is making as OC of the Cowboys, and there's you and me at 45. Oh, my God. I mean, he's – yeah, it, it's uh, it's a little bit higher. He's in a different tax bracket than us. <laughs> uh, number 22, A&M uh, – or number 20, A&M. 20, number 13, Auburn. Three. What a strange year for both of these programs. Yeah. I mean, Texas A&M – might be playing as well as anyone in the country other than Georgia right now. I mean, was, would there be a team? I mean, they've already beaten Bama. They're just, uh, they just, they take it uh, to Auburn 20 to three. They're, they, they, if they, they're going to look back and say, how in God's name did we lose to Mississippi state in particular? Okay. Yep. I understand they lost at Arkansas. Arkansas was playing well at that point, but losing that Mississippi state game going to haunt them for a while, but they're still, they're still in it. Uh, to get to Atlanta, they just need to win out and have uh, Auburn beat uh, the Tide, which is a possibility. Uh, Arkansas, 31, number 17, the aforementioned Mississippi State, 28. Um, we said last week, why in the hell was State ranked ranked in the CFP rankings last week? It made no sense whatsoever. Um, this, whatever, this game is a little it rectified, it rectified it quick. It rectified <laughs> itself quickly, that, that situation with them and Minnesota. Uh, Tennessee 45, number 18, Kentucky 42. Good win for Josh Heupel, right? Like Great win. I think things are trending for the first time since like the late 90s in a positive direction in Tennessee. Yeah, their offense looks great. I mean, this one was on at uh, one of the bars we were at too, so I had one eye on it. And there were te- both teams were scoring every time I looked up. Uh, Hendon Hooker, the transfer quarterback from Virginia Tech, is having a heck of a year for for Heupel and uh, Heupel knows offense. He knows what he's doing. And that's why I think it's going to be a, a fascinating atmosphere in Knoxville this week. Um, by the way, like uh, Jack's applying to Tennessee. Really? Now, Jack, I, I, when does he find, when does he make the final decision? It's kind of getting, did I, I think, I feel like I already knew where I was going to college at this point, but I don't know. Maybe the system has changed. So he did early action for Penn state. And then he's also applying to Tennessee, West Virginia, Vatech and Maryland. Oh wow, nice big big state schools with uh, various levels of quality football programs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. Um, finally, Mike, <laughs> I'd love your thoughts on unranked Penn State thirty-one, unranked Maryland fourteen. You go first. <laughs> well, I watched. Uh, I watched the first half of this game. Um, my nephew and brother-in-law were there wearing all their Penn State stuff. They said they had a great time. Uh, Dotson's a superstar, as we know. Uh, he had, what, 240-something yards receiving in this game? Yeah. And uh, Mar- Maryland easily uh, may not win another game the rest of the season. It's quite, it's a distinct possibility. Again, minus Dotson, Penn State's offense is just horrific. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maryland seems mostly inept across the board. Yes, um, on both sides of the ball, pretty much. 
but like the score is does not reflect how close this game was for a long time. I never felt we'd lose because Maryland's so inept. But um, yeah, I never felt that way either. But it was it was within striking distance basically until that lat the very very end, right? <laughs> until the pick six, yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, Mike, news items. So it's funny now, like conference realignment is just so part of the everyday existence in college football. Like you like, it's not even news anymore. <laughs> but I found it interesting. So um, Conference USA is falling apart badly. Okay, like eight eight teams left in in the past like month or whatever, and Middle Tennessee State and Western Kentucky were both approached by the MAC and offered spots in the MAC. Western Kentucky took a spot. Middle Tennessee State turned it down. Yeah. To stay in CUSA with like teams like, like like Sam Houston State and these other random schools. To me, Jacksonville State, New Mexico State, I believe, is joining Conference USA. It these are no inept programs. Am I wrong? That seems like a bad decision, right? Well, they have a re. I mean, obviously, I don't know the details of their, um, you know, athletic department, but they seem to have a reason. Their their uh, uh, athletic director was on a child of Newhousel talking about it today and he didn't he was really talking in generalities um and he you know he kept wishing um uh uh the other team who who went again uh, western kentucky he said they had a reason to do it we have a reason that we're staying we're excited about liberty coming into the conference and uh, (laughs) it was definitely an odd definitely an odd move but hey maybe they'll stay they'll get uh, and then they'll be kings of of this new conference usa but it's such a weird um, patchwork of teams from all over the country. That's, I mean, I guess that's why they call it Conference USA, but it is a really odd when you look at the, the geography of that conference. And say what you will with the MAC. Like, look, I grew up in Ohio. The MAC is near and dear to my heart. Yes. <laughs> no one ever leaves the MAC. <laughs> no, they haven't. They haven't had any um, teams leave or added any teams. I think they're the they have the longest streak, you know, of any of the conferences of neither uh, losing teams or or uh, expanding. Hmm. Um, next item, um, Scott Frost, <laughs> who I look. You said earlier, and it's true. Nebraska's playing well this year. They just can't win games. Okay, mm-hmm. I think he's making progress at Nebraska. So do I. Trev Alberts, who's the new AD there, basically went to Scott Frost last week. He's like, okay. I will offer you another year in your contract, but you must take a pay cut of a million dollars and fire four assistants who are like longtime friends or whatever. And Scott Frost basically said like, okay, I'll do that. And what, and I get it. Like, you know, it's whatever, self-interest, I, whatever. I didn't like his comments, Scott Frost, in the articles about it where he said it was an easy decision. I mean, like, those are four people with families whose lives you've upended. Like, don't say it was an easy decision. Say, yeah, I, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I understand. But on the broader picture, I applaud Trev Alberts. I think firing Scott Frost would have been a mistake. They are trending in the right direction. And, you know, Nebraska, I'm sorry, you're not Nebraska anymore. You have to. What do we always say about the Kentuckys of the world, the Indianas of the world? And I, I really believe it straight up the, to the very top really of college football is, is that you need stability in the coaching staff. Yeah. You need stability at the top. Give, give this guy one more year. 
They're trending in the right direction. Obviously, they need to win. He needs to win, I think, at least probably six or seven games next year to keep his job. But, uh, you know, the, he, he was thought of as the smartest guy in the world four years ago. I doubt he went to the dumbest guy in the world uh, four years later. And, and, they, and uh, Alberts has kind of taken the approach that Michigan did with Jim Harbaugh. And uh, it seems to have worked for Michigan this year. So we'll see how it goes for the Huskers next year. I just think Nebraska fans need to understand where they currently live in the landscape. <laughs> yep. They're not going to understand, though. <laughs> they, they, we can understand it from the outside, but they're, they're too far in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the cave. All right, Mike, the CFP rankings. Are you ready? I'm ready. I, lo- I love 25 from 20. First of all, so this week, there's, there's no, of course, there's no others receiving votes, which is the best. I wish part. there were. But there is drop from rankings. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Minnesota, and Fresno State. Any reaction there, Mike? Uh, well, Minnesota and Mississippi State were egregious mistakes by the – ranking them were, were mistakes by the committee last week. So those teams did the committee kind of a favor by losing. Here we go. 25 Arkansas – 24 Utah, 23 UTSA, who's like lodged there. Like they're lodged there. <laughs> they were not ranked last week though. <laughs> but in the in the world of, they will never get past like 23, 22. No, uh, no, they've pretty much reached their ceiling, but I thought it was very cool to see them ranked. 22 San Diego State and 21 Pitt. Pitt. Great to see the great to see the Panthers in there. Uh 20 Iowa, 19 Purdue. 18 Wisconsin, 17 Auburn, 16 NC State. That's basically your your Big West powers all ranked for 2019 and 18. Those are all very very similar teams, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, they're all just they're all the same. Um, 15 Ole Miss, 14 BYU, 13 Baylor, 12 Wake Forest, 11 A and M. Yeah, A and M at 11. I just feel like they're lurking there, and they just. I have a feeling they can just keep clawing their way up with some wins and some losses in front of them. They, they, I kind of I have an asterisk next to AM. 10, Okie State. 9, Notre Dame also lurking. Uh, 8, Oklahoma. 7, Sparty. Falling four spots, by the way. And Michigan, 6. There was an interesting caller that I heard this week on one of the shows comparing Notre Dame's resume to the, that of Michigan and Michigan State in that – uh, Notre Dame's loss is a, is a loss to a top five team, Cincinnati. They've won all the rest of their games, including beating a Purdue team that just beat Michigan State. Um, and so I, I think uh, there were some it was it was interesting. We all have kind of kind of forgot about Notre Dame um, because some of the teams that they were supposed to play or that they played this year. If you looked at the schedule before the year, your USC's, your North Carolina's schools like that. Florida State maybe even you're thinking that they're going to be a lot better than they were but I thought it was kind of an interesting comparison to compare the Irish to those two uh, Michigan schools and here we go um the charity pick of Cincy at five which is just all (laughs) optics it's ridiculous um four house state three Oregon two Bama one Georgia I'll get right to it Mike we discussed it earlier look if Michigan State was seven and two and Michigan was eight and one 
and Sparty had beaten them. I'd be like, okay, fine. Yeah. Right? This, they played 10, ga- 10 days ago. They played and Michigan State won. And to hear the chairman of the committee say, we feel that Michigan is better. <laughs> it's like, what in the hell are we doing here? Like, we, this has gotten like, I said last week, this is no better than back in the days when a bunch of dudes voted after the season was over. Like, okay, we're going to all vote on who the best team was. No, like this is the sport. I love it. I, I love it. You know, I love it. Like all the listeners know you love it, Timmy. This is crazy. It's crazy. What are we doing here? What are we doing? It, here? it, it, it is. I mean, even you can even look to this to, as we, I talked about earlier in the show, the parallel of the Oregon uh, Ohio State situation. At least that game was in September. And, you know, a lot happens in a football season between September and November. You have a lot more results to go on. Uh, players get hurt, things like that. Teams get better, teams get worse. I still applaud the committee for ranking Oregon over Ohio State because I think head to head has to be. By far, so they always describe it as kind of a uh, tiebreaker, where I, I think it should be almost more than that. I think it, it, sh- it should be by far the most important metric um, of all of them. But at least you could kind of understand, okay, that was two months ago. This was two weeks ago. What could possibly? And I mean, does Michigan get a huge bump from beating a terrible Indiana team? They beat them soundly at home. And so I've heard some people say, well, Michigan State struggled a little bit with Indiana, but that game was in Indiana. Um, I just don't think it, it, it's, it's ridiculous. There's, there's no, there's no way around. There's no way around it, Tim. It's, there's no defending it, but remember it's the second poll only both teams have a lot of good teams to play. It'll work itself out. But I am getting to the point where it's like, so when I was in high school, Mike, okay. I played, on the football team. I didn't play, but I was on the team. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a big distinction. We, um, Ohio high school football is a big deal. It's a big deal. It's front page news in the plane dealer in Cleveland every Saturday morning. Like it's a big deal. And when it comes to making the playoffs, like, do you know how teams make the playoffs, Mike? Uh, best records and things like that. No, there was a computer. This is back in the nineties. <laughs> really? A computer formula where it's like, okay, if you play really good teams and beat them, you get a lot of points. If you play bad teams and beat them lesser points, if you lose to bad teams, you lose, whatever. It's a formula. And it's like, everyone knows the formula. So you schedule to it. And then at the end of the year, there was no complaints because everyone understood that's the formula. My son's Jack's team finished six and three this year, one spot out of the playoffs, but everyone knew the formula. They lost the game they couldn't lost couldn't lose. They didn't make the playoffs. I don't know why we aren't doing this with college football. It's a pretty simple thing. We live in the age of data. <laughs> this like Mike, I'm like pulling my hair out right now with the system. It, we, this is a bunch of people who probably watch less college football than you and me, and most of the people who listen to this podcast. There's like at least twelve of them. Sit in a room in Dallas and debate. They said for a half an hour they debated who was better, 
Michigan. It took them a half an hour to determine <laughs> that Michigan was better than Michigan State. Even though they played on the field, there's no reason. Ten days to, ago. There's no reason to debate that. <laughs> Ten days ago. Like if you have to if you have to debate who's better, um, you know, BYU or uh, Pitt, let's say, those teams haven't probably even come within four states of seeing each other in the last 25 years. Uh, they probably have no common opponents. You know, maybe they do, but I'm just I just pulled those teams out of my ass. That's I can see, and they and they have similar records or something. That's when a debate comes in. But if you sit down and say, "Hey, we have to debate who's better, Michigan or Michigan State?" No, you don't. There's a, you, th- thankfully, there's no reason to debate it. It's been settled. <laughs> the whole reason that we have this whole stupid season. <laughs> I mean, what's next? They're going to have the playoff, and then at the end of the playoff, they're going to be like, "Well, you know, uh, Georgia did beat Alabama, but we just we feel Alabama's better." And what, when does the madness what, end? But but, but but look, now you're getting oh. me riled up. <laughs> if 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 there's a similar controversy after the final decisions of the CFP, then then we'll talk. But I'm still of the opinion that it's going to work itself out. So what you just said is not an insane thing to say, like because again, that was what this sport was before the BC. right. It was like well. Taking all the data we have into consideration, we think this team was just the best. So we're going to vote them. But yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, or President yeah. Nixon decides. I just, yeah, oh my God, that one too. Um, and I, I don't say this is a Penn State homer, but like I was reading um, Ross Dellinger today, who, whose job is to like do the post rankings reaction. And he's like, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I think he had under the bad, he was like, how is Penn State not ranked at all if Auburn is 17 at six and three and Wisconsin's um, 18 at six and three and they both lost to Penn State who was six and three? It's like, what? I, I'm dying to know what the deliberation in this room is. I They cannot spend more than 15 minutes on 25 through five, right? They yeah, cannot. no, that's a good point. I had completely forgotten about Penn State. That's right, they've got two two top 25 wins over the, of those teams. I mean, obviously they have, but Penn state has a very bad loss. Most teams do Mike. Anyway, my point is this, like, <laughs> like, Oh my God. I don't know why last night, like the whole Sparty Wolverines thing sent me over the edge because if you're saying that the Oregon win over Ohio state matters and look, I look Mike, I feel that Ohio state's better than Oregon, but I also feel that Oregon beat them at Ohio State, and that should count for something. How can you say results matter there, but not Sparty versus Michigan? It's there's it's nonsensical. This is crazy. Yeah, no, it it it, it is completely nonsensical, and I can't remember um, a situation in the CFP poll that's been as as seemingly open and shut as. I've never seen something as ridiculous as a team that just beat another team being ranked below them uh, one week later with the same record. I've just never seen it. And again, it's not like Michigan State lost to Indiana or Northwestern. They lost on the road to a very good Purdue team that this very committee has in their top 25. <laughs> it's, that's, the whole thing's crazy. God yeah, bless you, Mike. All right, uh, games of the week. You ready, Mike? I am. There's a lot. The great slate this week, and I'm looking forward to watching a lot of them. 
Number five, Cincy at South Florida, 6 p.m. ESPN2 on Friday, Mike. Yeah, you keep waiting for Cincinnati to have this monster. They're favored by 23 and a half again. And again, it's been uh, it's been three touchdowns or more for uh, seemingly three or four weeks in a row for the Bearcats. And they really do need to break out, especially, again, Friday night. They'll have um, a lot of eyes on this game down there in Tampa. And I think uh, Cincy needs a big performance, 6 p.m. kickoff. That's odd. Right. I'll say the same thing. It's like, wow, why 6 p.m.? Uh, maybe just to make sure it's really hot, extra hot in Tampa. <laughs> uh, number six, Michigan at Penn State, noon ABC. I've got no idea what to expect. I've told you all year. I think that our defense is legit, um, but Michigan looks good lately. But would you be shocked if Penn State wins this game, Mike? No, I mean the Michigan's favored by a point and a half. Um, they're four. I heard earlier they're four and four in Happy Valley, uh, you know, in uh, in the last eight. So this game looks like a coin flip to me. And it, it's interesting that it's noon, too. You're kind of used to this one being a night game, right, or at least a 3.30. So uh, it'll be uh, – th- this will be a, a very fun game to watch, uh, and I'll be pulling probably for the Knicks. Number eight, Oklahoma at number 13, Baylor. Oklahoma, I feel like this is a pivotal game where they definitely need, like, a solid result. Yes, yes. I'll have a little bit more to say about this one later in the show. This one for you, Mike. Rutgers at Indiana, noon on ESPN. <laughs> Estimated audience, not um, in the stands, Mike. For the national yeah, watching on television, I'd yeah. say a few hundred definitely. This is going to have a rating. I don't know if it'll register a rating point, uh, <laughs> but it's going to have one in Baltimore. Indiana seven point favorite seems big to me. Seems very big to me. But I'm looking forward to watching this one. I will have Indiana on my big screen. I will have Arsenal Tim on TV too, and I'm going to have the Knits and uh, Michigan on the on the third TV. Speaking of soccer, Villa in serious trouble, like desperate. <laughs> Arsenal up to fifth uh, on the table. They're playing great lately, ever since that slow start. Uh, number one, Georgia at Tennessee, 3.30 p.m. CBS. Like we've been there, Mike. We said before, it's an amazing atmosphere. There's momentum there in Tennessee. I feel like the fan base believes in Hypel. There's going to be enormous energy there let's say that like maybe some yeah. festive atmosphere heading into this game and doesn't this have all the ingredients all the ingredients of just you know what i'm talking about here mike like absolutely i mean let, let's just say when, when we went to tennessee we saw them play georgia and there was uh, enormous energy there as well but it was all negative energy of course yeah. georgia beat them 41 nothing we saw fights um, we had a great time and we met some lovely people, but it was, it was, I have to say, it was a little amusing seeing the frustration level of the volunteer fans. They are going to be fired up. I love that it's a 3.30 game. We're going to hear the music with Brad Nessler and uh, Gary Danielson. Um, it's going to be, uh, I think this will be a really, really fun game to watch, at least for the first half. I hope the Vols keep it close in the first half because the, the, uh, the fans are going to be going ballistic there. Remember we there, Georgia, 20-point like- 20, 20 favorites. Crazy number, crazy number. It does um, seem a bit high. So when we went down there, um, we didn't have a pre-assigned parking spot. We we like, but we ended up landing into a, a pretty incredible spot. Right? Yeah, no, we did. I don't I don't remember how we got that spot, but we were amongst hardcore Tennessee tailgaters 
in the shadow of the stadium, right in the middle of the campus. It was an awesome spot. And we could walk down to the water. We walked to that park. Um, it was, I, I really can't at all remember how we stumbled into that spot, but it was a great one. Uh, this one also somewhat fascinating. This is my TV too, I think, Mike. Number 19, Purdue at number four, Ohio State, 330 ABC. We can't possibly ask Purdue to do it three times in a year, right? No, especially not on the road at the horseshoe and especially not coming off that win. So that, you know, Ohio State will be ready and they'll have their A game for the Boilers, um, especially because they've not looked great right in their last two games offensively. I think you can tell in his post-game interviews, Ryan Day's a little frustrated with the offense not being able to score touchdowns, but uh, I think you'll have a focused Ohio State team, and I would be shocked if Purdue could f- pull off this upset. Ohio State favored by 20 and a half points. So this one, I don't envy Maryland. Maryland at number seven, Sparty, 4 p.m. Fox. They're walking into a nightmare, right, Mike? They're going to get smoked. Maryland is just not, as we said, they're not a good team on either side of the ball. Unfortunately, there's just no other way of sugarcoating it. Michigan State, 13-point favorite. Seems a bit low to me, actually. Yeah, I mean, barring a the most titanic Sparty moment of all time, there's no way for Maryland. No, no, I don't see it. Uh, number 11, Red Hot A&M at number 15, Ole Miss, 7 p.m. ESPN. A fun evening affair to watch TV. Oh, absolutely. A 7 p.m. start at the Grove with a top, basically top 10 A&M team coming in against an Ole Miss team that's uh, ranked 15th in scores. That would just be a great Saturday. Wouldn't that be a great place to and plus you're in oxford mississippi on what's whatever the saturday's date is i think it's november 13th yeah the weather is going to be just perfect there isn't it you could just envision low 70s uh in the grove you have all day to tailgate before going to the ball game at seven it's going to be a good game it means a lot to both teams that's the that's the place i would want to be on saturday if i could pick any game and you can envision just like what the grove will be like mike all day oh oh my god (laughs) <laughs> number 16 nc state at number 12 wake forest 7 30 p.m abc what's the line here mike wake is favored by two. Ooh, i won't touch that one right yeah no idea what to make but and as as much as i would love to be at uh, the grove i just have i can't even picture what wake forest is like for a night game um, good or bad, you know, I've just, I've never been to Winston-Salem. I've never stepped foot on that campus. The stadium looks like a high school stadium from on television. I have no idea what the atmosphere would be there. Mike, our picks last week were what? I went with Cincinnati Bearcats, uh, with the flawed notion that they were going to show up and show everyone in the country what a great team they were and covered the 22 and a half. They did not, they fell on their faces. You, Tim, snuck out a win with a, a pen, taking Penn State minus 10. Uh, that, was a, that was a dicey win. It didn't look like it was going to get there most of the game, but uh, eventually it did. You kind of lucked out. But, hey, congratulations. That's part of gambling. All right, Bobby hit the bumper. Plays bets on college football. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. What do you mean you don't bet? I mean, I don't bet. You know, I don't care. I don't I never have, and I never will. Yeah, right. Mike Unger, 50-50, possible lot, probable loser of the week. Please hang up and try again. Tim, for this week's Lock of the Week, we are going to Waco, Texas, home of the Baylor Bears. 
we are going there and Fox's big noon kickoff. I just heard is going there as well. Where Oklahoma, the big bad uh, powers of the uh, of the Big 12 conference come in to take on a Bears team that just lost last week to TCU, but they're seven and two. It's, they've been a great story this year. Baylor is catching six points against Oklahoma and the trends all say Baylor. Baylor has covered four of the last five times these two teams have met in Waco and they have the underdog has covered four of the last five meetings against the spread head to head. Oklahoma, it seems like they always have a late season stumble. Even if they win, it's in dramatic fashion, maybe by a field goal or so. And I just have a feeling Baylor is going to going to knock off Oklahoma or uh, they certainly will keep it within a field goal. I'm taking Baylor plus six. Uh, like again, the Rutgers, Indiana line is what? Uh, Indiana's favored by seven points over Rutgers. And how about Georgia, Tennessee? You said 20? Yeah, Georgia's favored by 20 over Tennessee. Clearly, you're showing the audience that you've you've already prepared your pick. Finally, uh, give me the Maryland Sparty line. Sparty by 13 over the Terps. I'll take Sparty. <laughs> yeah, I like I like Sparty in that one by the by 13 as well. Um, I just don't. I think Michigan State's going to be focused. Maryland's not just not a very good team, and I think the two touchdowns is not a lot. So I, I like your pick there. By the way, we're both four and six on the year. We need uh, we needed some late season magic here. All right, uh, Mike, so just listeners know, I've been saying on the show now for 11 seasons, I've always wanted to bring you and uh, no listener Brian Schlater to a Lehigh Lafayette game. They are absolute blasts to go to. Um, I think, fingers crossed for great weather, which always is a major factor in late November, yes. Mike. Um, the setting is beautiful. The tailgating is, I think you will be surprised by the level of intensity of tailgating. The um, when I say atmosphere in the stadium, I mean not just like the um, volume of the crowd, the passion of the crowd, but the odor in the crowd. Like <laughs> <laughs> that is very cryptic. <laughs> there is a there is a cloud of tailgating that hangs over the stadium during the game. Because does it smell? I mean, does it smell like a Colorado game? No, 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 no. Okay. Just like okay. Lehigh Valley folks who have enjoyed a few beverages before the game. It just, it's a cloud. Okay. Um, it's just a great, it's a great fun time. So it's not this weekend, but next weekend. So um, I think you really enjoy it. Looking forward to taking you guys up there. Are you going to have some tailgate, uh, you know, food, drinks, activities ready for us? Yeah, I will do all that stuff for you. It'll be, a, we'll have some coal. And some steel. <laughs> Unfortunately, like the, the tailgate I wanted to take you to, my old colleague uh, Tracy at Lehigh had the coolest tailgate up there, like a prime spot. They'd bring like sectional couches. Like it was huge. It was a mm -hmm. massive tailgate. They can't go this year for personal reasons. I'm like bummed about that, but you will still have a wonderful time. Um, looking forward to that. So Mike, this weekend though, what's your plan? Yeah, I'm very excited for Lehigh Lafayette. I've told a few people, and uh, of course, it's a bit of a bailout pick by you because uh, <laughs> of your lack of planning, but I'm still excited. It'll still be a great time. This week, I am going to be in my basement watching tons and tons of football, the noon and the 3.30 hours. I might have some obligations at night, but uh, I'll be watching all the nooners and all the 3.30s 
from my basement bar and I, I can't wait. I have, uh, I'm sure I have sports and stuff, but whatever, we'll see. <laughs> you don't know your schedule till Aaron tells you on Saturday morning anyway, probably. Also, Mike, are you someone who checks the weather ahead of time? Like I wake up in the morning and the weather to me is a surprise. Whatever's happening in the weather, I'm like, oh, it's rainy today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well, I'm definitely someone who checks the weather ahead of time if I'm doing something outside. So not, you know, if, I, if like for Lehigh Lafayette, I'll be watching the weather starting, you know, four days before, before beforehand, but not when I'm just rolling out of bed, deciding what to wear to work. <laughs> All right, Mike, enjoy your weekend. There's one thing to say. Pachas. Pachas. Thank you for listening to the TCFA podcast. For more college football news and wit, visit intelligentcollegefootball.com.